Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the fact that you, you are above our concerns in the sense, Lord, that we don't have to have all the answers, that your existence is independent on our faith or lack thereof. God, I just pray that, um, I just praise you for that because it gives us a foundation, Lord, something firm to hold on to that's, a, that's more than our feelings. Uh, God, I pray right now for everyone in this room. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would move in their lives in whatever ways um, you need to and you want to. I pray they would be open to that, God, that every single person here, even if it's just today, Lord, that this is a divine appointment, that you knew this would happen and you wanted it to and you have a purpose in it. And I pray that would be made clear to them. Father, I pray you'd help me to preach your word and only your word and that I wouldn't get in the way. And I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. All right, kids, you can slowly make your way to Children's Church. Oh, yeah, I did it backwards that time. Nice. Um, so if it's your first time, my name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. And you're coming in the midst of a series that we're doing called Tribes, in which we're kind of talking about the fact that in Christianity as a whole, we sort of have created these tribes. And um, whether we admit it or not, there's a strange competition and a strange... Um, I don't know, that we've kind of let the world infect and separate us and our own pride and uh, sort of everything that comes out of that. So that's where we're at. And um, you don't have to have heard the others to get this. I just gave you the overview. But we're going to watch a clip real quick. It's only a minute, and then uh, we'll talk about it. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. There is, um, I saw this, this organization, I was listening to a couple of other sermons, because part of my challenge for this series, just so you guys know what I'm doing, is I'm listening to some um, pastors and preachers who have been called false and stuff like that to make, instead of just listening and deciding, letting someone else tell me, decided to, to do that. While I'm listening to it, because you know YouTube knows everything about me, uh, the ad that came up was this, and it was way longer than that, and I searched so long to find the actual ad, um, and I, can't, I couldn't find it. So this is way shorter. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this organization, and I'll explain why I'm even talking about it. So... <clears throat> This guy who started this, and I can't remember his name, Scott something, crazy story. He was a nightclub manager in like New York City, and in his own words, he lived his life for the first 30 years, I believe, essentially pursuing every kind of debauchery you can think of. Like that's what he did, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, money, and for, for no reason, we don't get any mention of his faith here, and that's what's interesting. He just, he came to the end of the road. He just realized his life was empty. So he sold everything he had and ended up going to, I believe, somewhere in Africa. Could have been Asia. I don't remember. 
and um, just to go, to get away from here. And while he was there, he saw this, the fact that people didn't have water. Okay, And so what he did, and I'll give you some stats on this, so you probably didn't catch that, but this was wild to me. I want to try to say it correctly. So, <clears throat> sanit- unclean water and sanitation, lack of sanitation, uh, is the cause of 80% of disease in the world. And when you add that up, that, <clears throat> that has killed more people than all the wars combined. And you're all going, that's nice. Let that sink in. Because you're just going to go, and we can go right now, and you can just turn a faucet on and water comes out. Just water. Simple, having the ability to have clean water or not have clean water is killing people in the modern world. And he said it. I don't know if you caught this, and I'll come back to the story. He said, we have the capability and the, the genuine, this isn't hopes and dreams, this is statistical. We have the ability to end that, that everyone on this earth can have clean drinking water. Now, if you're anything like me, you've probably heard these stories, and you've seen this stuff before, and you kind of care, but it's, it's distant. For some reason, when I watched the whole thing, it really hit me. So we'll come back to that. So while he's over there, he sees this issue, and he comes back, and he starts this organization. And man, uh, the statistics, that was a few years ago, I think three years old, are crazy of how many people um, they have been able to give water to. Literally, just water. Isn't that crazy? Not starvation even. I mean, that's an issue, but people just don't have water <clears throat> while we drink our Starbucks, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but I think sometimes it, it makes me, <laughs> me, the guy took a sip right as I said that, <laughs> not put it, uh, but that's true. And anyway, so this guy came back and he created this organization and it's pretty cool. And um, you can Google them. They're, they're, they've been considered like the number one most um, trusted nonprofit, um, number one most trusted organization as far as that the money, 100% of the money. 100% of what we donate goes to this. You're like, Todd, how does that work? Well, pretty cool what he did. What he did was went and found a bunch of, a few rich people. And the rich people's donations, that's all that their organization runs on. So every dime that comes in except for these wealthy benefactors goes directly to creating water, situation water. It's a big deal. <clears throat> and I listened to that, and we'll come back to that. Who here, and I wasn't going to say the name, and if you are... Uh, you're not hip to this lingo. That's okay. I'll explain it. But youngsters, I'm about to connect with you. This is our generation connecting. Raise your hand if you know who Mr. Beast is. <laughs> okay, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you don't. Yeah. Trust me, I get it. <clears throat> we got a generational gap here. So what's, what's going on? Mr. Beast is a YouTube influencer. Hip, right? What does that mean? Crazy that they say influencer. Just a guy that's famous for being on YouTube and doing crazy things. He's incredibly wealthy. And... <clears throat> It's pretty cool. Um, he does a lot of crazy stuff. Gives a lot of stuff away. Gives a lot of money away. And he gets a bad rap because regardless of, I mean, I'm sure he does do it for views, right? People are like, well, if you're doing good deeds, why are you putting them on YouTube? Well, that's how he makes his money. He's not a believer. So he makes the money and then he gives more money away. Who cares? To me, it's irrelevant. If he's not a believer and he's doing it, it's still doing good, right? So recently, the same week that I heard about this, um, I found out this guy did this stunt, and some of you, any of you guys follow him? Raise your hand if you follow him. I knew it. That's so funny, man. So you know this. He paid for 
1,000 blind people to have a surgery that enables them to see. Now you're like, Todd, that's, there's no surgery. Yeah, he did. 1,000 people, and it was something like, man, I can't remember. Don't, don't, this statistic is not correct, but it's high. Somewhere between 50 and 80%, I think, of people that are considered blind could see, but they can't afford the surgery that would enable them to see. Okay, we're not talking about people that can't see anything, though, I mean, what's the difference between seeing light and seeing nothing, right? <clears throat> You're all like, what does this have to do with anything, Todd? Maybe you didn't say that, but that's, so it was a big deal. And of course, he gets jumped by people. I didn't look in the comments, but he did that. He literally, and then he did other crazy things too. So like one of the guys was a blind person that couldn't see at all since he was four really. And now he could see and he saw his college dorm room and he had a $60,000 check in there, something $100,000 for his college. So he just gave all this money away. Pretty cool stuff, right? Well, there's, there, there are these comedians, and I tried to put the, I was going to bring the clip, man, but they just cussed too much. I couldn't put it on here, and I'd have to bleep, seriously. And the bleeping job, the one I found, I mean, it's, it bleeps it, but clearly you know what they're saying. Because it was interesting. So there's this other podcast, and they kind of do the thing where they talk about what's going on in the world. Are you with me so far? Okay. And they bring up this situation with Mr. Beast, and the guy says, man, I was wrong. I was kind of making fun of this guy and thinking he was doing it, focusing on the fact that he was making a video. This guy's not a believer, this comedian that's talking about him. And he said, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, this guy's doing crazy stuff. He's literally helped people see. And then all of a sudden, randomly, and I wasn't looking for this. I don't even know how this popped up. <clears throat> Holy Spirit's real. He says this word, he says, they're all kind of joking, and he says, you think that... He goes, do you think that the churches that are watching this, do you think any of them are starting to go, man, we got to step our game up? He said that. Ha, 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 ha. Then he called out specifically, and I'm going to say the name, but it, it's really for all of us, right? He's just famous. He goes, you think Olstein, because I think a lot of it happened in the Houston area, I guess. He said, you think Olstein's sitting there like, why isn't he doing this stuff? That's what they said. Now, stay with me, because I'm sure they do some things. Right? And, there's, and Christians, it makes sense that maybe their stuff's not going to be as out there. But let's be honest. Stuff like that would get out. You know, stuff that's big, typically. So I started thinking about the fact that the comments they made, man, do you think churches are seeing this? And it's so weird they said this came out of nowhere. Religion wasn't even part of it. Do you think churches and places of worship are seeing this and maybe saying to themselves, we've got to step our game up? And they actually said, you know what else they said? So Mr. Beast is really like Jesus. They said that. He really is Jesus. It's not about their blasphemy or anything like that. The point is, to them, they associate Jesus with that kind of stuff, naturally. <clears throat> so I started thinking about this. And when you think, it really it hit me that we, and I said this a few weeks ago, but we spend so much time arguing about what's biblical that we don't live out what's biblical. And I love the church, so if you're new here and you're like, this guy hates the church, I'm not trying to pile on. There's a difference between criticizing and calling up. And we're meant to do more. And I started thinking about this, and before, you know, someone's going to see it out there, you guys are like, well, we don't do it for them, and Jesus said, don't let, you know, your left hand know what your right hand's doing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 I get that. But that's just excuses. And I want you to know it hit me. Just something simple. Let me, this is, this is going to seem bizarre maybe, but like are there people in this community, and I think the surgery wasn't even a crazy amount, I don't think, but let's say it was even $1,000. 
are they there that all they need is a simple surgery to fix something that's hindering their entire life? There's 250 churches in this community. That's true. Maybe not after COVID. I haven't looked at the update, right, as far as percentages that closed because that really happened. But, man, and we just, we, we think they're going to walk up to us. And even if they did, what happens? I'll pray for you. And that's, do we even do that? And I guess I just started thinking, man, like, you type in Christianity on YouTube and you're going to get a bunch of articles about false prophets and revelation and mainly false prophets. And this guy's attacking this guy and this guy's attacking that guy. And this guy is, you know, has it all wrong. And, and you don't see stuff like church pays for a thousand people to be able to see. <clears throat> there is a, uh, there was a, it's a couple years old, but... Um, Oh my goodness, what's it called? I'm losing it. You know the thing where, poll, that's it. There's a poll. <laughs> There's a poll and that came out. And it was based in South Florida, but, I mean, come on, it's a microcosm for the, for the area, for the country. And um, they, they went and asked a bunch of people from all generations that are left, you know. So we got, what do we got? Boomers, Gen X, and Millennials. And then you Gen Zers, you're not quite there yet to be able to ask, but... <clears throat> Well, first of all, of course we know millennials are more likely to think of church leaders as hypocritical and judgmental. That's not really the point of today. But they're also twice as likely, and by the way, millennials are the ones that aren't in churches. Gen Z's not that, they're not, right? I mean, you guys break, you guys break statistics, those of you that are here. <clears throat> um, but they're twice as likely as boomers to think, and by the way, the boomers I looked at, the statistic, they're only, you know, 18% lower. So, than the millennials here, but millennials are twice as likely as boomers to think that their church was detached from real issues facing their community, not the world, their community. <clears throat> they also think uh, they're more likely to say that Christian pastors are out of touch with the needs of their community, and that pastors seem more focused on growing their church and not on community transformation. There's evidence in, of a growing generational gap about social issues and the expectation of younger generations who want to see their church addressing the broader, real social issues of the day. People are hungry. They don't have homes. They need help. And he said, this guy who, who did this article, um, he said, if you care about your community, as many of us do, it's important to have some evidence that that's the case beyond virtue signaling or token gestures. That's wordy. There should be a walk that accompanies the talk, Right? And I'm talking to myself, and I'm talking to our church, too. Because why? It's not only the right thing to do to help people in the community, but it's a step towards ushering them into the hope and love of the gospel. The United States now ranks third following just China and India in the number of people who are not professing Christians. Did you hear that? By the way, statistically, many of you in this room are not Christians. That's just a fact. You go to church. It's true. They say 50% of churchgoers, right, uh, are not actual Christians. They don't really believe they go. Isn't that wild? And then half of, essentially, the U.S. is becoming an ever-increasing, quote, unreached people group. Isn't that wild? Half of all churches in the U.S. did not add any new members to their ranks in the last two years. Zero. Members. What does that mean? It just means you're, you're committed. That's your church family. You're living it out. So I'm, why am I saying all this? Well, guys, <clears throat> clearly everyone knows that 
the role of the church, right? Our number one role isn't calling out all the other churches. It's not arguing about things that are secondary issues. By the way, in case you want to know this, I think it's important, in two weeks, so we should have two more of these left unless the Lord does something else. The last week, we are going to talk about what does split tribes. You see, there is a line where you're either in the tribe of Christ, right, or you're not. There, there are things that aren't debatable, and we're going to come to that. So I just want to say that. But we spend so much time doing that, so much time arguing, so much time criticizing, so much time wanting to sound like we're the holy ones that know exactly how we should believe and what we should think, and arguing over how many times someone gets put in a, in a tub of water before they're baptized. But we also, the, the main role we've been given, every church would say this, is the Great Commission. Right? What is the Great Commission? Right? Jesus' last words to us, really, where he says, right, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I would argue that we don't do that. We tend to think, well, there's 250 churches here. A lost person knows where to go. That's what, that's what we think. It's not true <clears throat> because they don't think they're welcome. But put that aside for a second. There's something that we are called to do as a church, and there's a lot of things the church is for us too, right? It's to build each other up. That's true, and to edify each other. But I'm talking about outwardly. What is our role? Well, <clears throat> we have a job that's just as important that's not even attached to the Great Commission, and that's going to mess with some people, and that's to love people. I want to say that again. <clears throat> a lot of times churches, and we, we're, we will go do things for the community in hopes that that will mean tangibly loving them, right? Because we want them to become Christians. That's not a bad motive, but what happens when they don't? What if I told you that the call to love them is separate from the call to evangelize to them? Right? Now, the greatest love you can give someone is to tell them the truth about heaven and hell and life and death, right? And the hope of the Savior. That is the number one thing. But we're not really doing that great, so let's put that aside. And on top of that, we connect the times we do love the community with what? Conversion. Our missions are only successful if we have converted people. And I don't think that's the case. In fact, if you look in Scripture, Jesus healed people and fed people. Do you think the 3,000, the 5,000, do you think they all came to truly know him? There's a hesitation there. Do you think that he gave them bread? He fed them. He taught them. Do you think they all came to know him? No, they didn't. In fact, we know many of them were in the crowd saying, crucify him. Yet he fed them anyway. In fact, it says he had what? Compassion on them when they were hungry. He healed people multiple times. Blind people don't tell anyone. What they do? They ran off and told people. We also see, so guys, I'm telling you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't tell people about Jesus. But what I'm saying is, even if you didn't, Right? Even if they were hostile, even if they were your enemy, would you still give them a cup of water? Would you still love them? And the truth is, everyone in here and everyone in the world that's a Christian is going to say, yes, I would. No, you don't. And me either. But we're talking about churches as a whole. So we have all these tribes arguing over things that I don't think Jesus is going to care about. When instead... We could be doing something incredible. Now, going back to the charity water thing for a second, the organization, there was something incredible they did too. So they have what they call the spring 
charity water this spring. Get it? This is funny. You'll like this, Joe. And what it is is they give you an opportunity, right? I told you this earlier. To go right now, you can go to their website if you want, and you can give 20 100 And it's pooling all those resources together, people all over the world. And it pulls their resource together to bless people with water. 100% of it goes to giving people water. So you know, it will even tell you, they send you proof of like where you're giving water to. So you, when you give $10, I can't remember, it's so small. Five, I think $5 gives water to six people, something like that. You would know this $5 is literally giving water to six people, the spring. So what's happening? A bunch of people are pooling their resources to bless other people in need. Ooh, what are we called to do? What does it say in Acts? Everybody wants an Acts 2 church. Got to do Acts 2 things. And, it, and I'm not even talking about unbelievers. There are Christians in need. I'll pray for you, brother. Well, that, that's gonna, that may not help them get their groceries that week. You know, sometimes we pray that God would move in a way that he has told us to move into. Well, I'll pray that you get money for groceries when he told us to what? We would feed each other, right? Share, take care of each other. So I thought of that, and I, and I can't help but think, man, like, what, how many, and their church is doing this. I feel like I have to say this, I'm going to offend people. Their church is doing amazing things and giving water and all that stuff, but we don't do charity as well as the world does. Do you hear me? We don't. We, Protestant Christians, do not do charity as well as the world does. In fact, the number one, I'm probably going to, the number one, it's not a Christian group, sorry if I offend you here, but like Mormons are number one of all denominations, right? They're not, it's not the same Jesus, sorry, it's not, but in charity, and that's crazy to me. You know, for most of human history, it was the church that led these things. Who do you think was in taking care of people during the bubonic plague? Do you know who was in there? Who were the people with the lepers that was still happening in India? You know, that's part of what Mother Teresa was known for, right, is, is going into these areas and, and being with these people. The church led the charge. And we can say, well, the government is the reason why. And the We've allowed the, the secular world to fill the role that we were called to fill. And we wonder why people don't look at the church. There are organizations. How many? There are some. But, you know, how many organizations are out there that are funded by churches, not nonprofits? Okay? Not a Christian-based nonprofit. Churches that help single mothers. Right? That counsels them. I have this dream someday of, of having something where, you know, they tangibly get mentored and we walk with them, right? 16-year-old, 17-year-old being pressured to get rid of the baby. And they don't have any support. Their parents kick them out. And yeah, they can go here and get some diapers and stuff. But who's going to walk with them and teach them and say, hey, this is what it's going to be like as you're going through this pregnancy, right? And not only that, as soon as they have the baby, they're still there. You know, there's three, four, five ladies in this ministry who are a phone call away that will come and help them in the middle of the night when they don't, when they're overwhelmed, right? Walking beside them, supporting them, doctors, diapers, food, all that stuff. How many churches are doing that from their building? I haven't looked it up, but have you heard of any? I haven't. How is that possible? you got to think outside of the way we've been trained. Well, that's not feasible, Todd. Okay, so this guy, it's not very feasible to 
give water to people that have no infrastructure, but they made a way. They found a way, and they're not even empowered by the Holy Spirit. The fact is, we don't want to do hard work. We don't want to do hard charity. We don't want to love unless it's convenient. The very fact that we have, um, man, we have, I'm losing, I'm losing it. I can't think of words. That we have the luxury, there it is, the luxury to sit around and argue about theological treatises and whether or not someone is baptized the same amount or this way or that. And listen, some of the stuff, it's important if it affects the gospel. And truth should always be truth. Get to that later. But we spent, I mean, that is crazy to me. The fact that we have the luxury to do that while there are people in our communities who are hungry. I know this for a fact. I worked for a nonprofit that worked with youth, um, at-risk youth. And I'm telling you right now, you're like, "Uh, some of us would have been at-risk youth, statistically. I knew kids who would wake up in the morning, not see an adult, not have anything to eat, go to school, maybe eat if their parents went and did the stuff they need to do to fill out the lunch stuff. Sometimes they didn't. So they get a peanut butter sandwich and milk. They come home, maybe make themselves dinner. Sometimes they didn't. A lot of times they had nothing. You think I'm lying. In this community. And then went to bed without seeing an adult and without eating. And their meal was what they had at lunch. You don't believe me? I, it's a, I could tell you names. How is that possible? I worked with this organization. My job was to connect churches to these kids, right? We were a faith-based, we didn't even call it Christian. We were a faith-based organization. We didn't want to offend anyone. So our job was to be a bridge, right? We were, that's what we said, come fish in our pond. Do you know how hard it was to get anyone to care? I can say this directly. I, that was my job. Do you know how many churches actually invested in that? In the least of these? In children? And their families, their families would put this place's name on application of things as their church. If that doesn't hit you, you're not listening. Hit me. And if I'm honest, that organization, they do some good, but they've kind of, they only do things two, two times a week now. Three times, that's still good. What happens the other nights? There's churches that do amazing ministries in this town that feed people. I mean, it's incredible. Every week, free. What happens the other six days in towns like this? There's no soup kitchen here, right, like Fort Wayne. And even those places, what, what happens to them? Do you believe that? Do you believe people in this town go hungry? They don't have enough money to go to the doctor? That they don't have the money to take their babies to the doctor, their kids to the doctor. I hear, oh, it makes me so mad. I got in the biggest argument I've ever gotten into uh, with, ironically, my boss at this organization one time. <clears throat> now, politically, we actually are, would probably be of the same party, him and I. But we got into the debate during the whole time. <laughs> I wonder if I'm going to get banned for this. You know how they have trigger words. Obamacare, remember when that all came out? And my point was... It started as just a conversation. I said, man, I think that would be awesome if, if it was feasible, that everybody could go to the doctor when they want to go to the doctor, that people with sick children or people fighting cancer would be able to go and have that taken care of, right? And he literally got angry at me 
and said, why do I, should I have to pay for blah, 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 you get a job? And we got into a legit, I've only been there a month. I was like, and then we had another guy there that like got scared that worked there at the time, you know, because it got to the point, if you know me, I was done. I didn't care he's my boss. It's like, you're being ridiculous. And I told him, I said, that's easy to say when it's not your kid. And he's a Christian, seminary trained. He has his master's. I'm not questioning his heart. I'm saying we have been brainwashed that we think conservative values are Jesus values. They're not always. And I'm a conservative, right, politically, because in some ways. But I wish we could, right? I wish we could give everyone tangible, free health care. If, if you didn't want that, if you didn't have a wish and you can make that happen somehow feasibly I've, and you're a Christian, I don't understand you. How's that even feasible? Is he, does that guy love Jesus? I believe he did. Then how did he get to that point where he thinks that way? Because that's what the end, and this guy's pretty cool as far as his view of the church, right? But that's a blind spot for him. And it's a blind spot for us. We should be having the spring living water. You like what I did there, David? We should be the spring. We should be the water. We're the ones, Jesus said, anyone that gives even a cup of water to one of these little ones, Right? Is blessed. He's done it for me. Even a cup of water. Where's our spring in our communities? I can tell you right now, I, I don't know if I can offend anyone else in this community, so I might as well just say it. Like, you can't, you know, we have our, man, I don't want to, we, we <clears throat> hmm. no, I have to be smart sometimes because it doesn't affect me. Um, I will tell you this, this, this is a strange community. And I, and, and I come from a town similar to this, but it doesn't have this vibe. This is a strange community when it comes to churches working together. They, they, they are weird. They don't, uh, I can't tell you how many emails haven't been returned. And I get it, human nature, I'm sure I haven't returned emails before. But when it's consistently all the time or there's an argument about which building it's going to be at or where it's going to be at and all these other things, there are people that literally, there are churches that didn't want to play in our church, even though we're the host of the Willie County Church Softball League because it was held at this church instead of a neutral site. Do you understand the strange behavior of that? Churches don't want to work together, so of course, how are we going to have a spring? What would that be like? Could 250 churches, let's assume out of those churches, how many of them uh, are true, part of the true body of Christ? Some of them aren't, guys. We're going to talk about it at the end, right? There are things that separate, you can slap Christian on anything. It doesn't make it part of the body of Christ. But let's say that half of them, a quarter of them were. What could you do to a community? If you'd come to, even just, well, individually, but if you came together. Am I losing you? Boring to talk about loving people? Should I tell you about how to make money? <clears throat> that's more, that's, that's, that's flashier. I just want to talk about, you know, giving people water that don't have it. You want the 10 keys to being healthy, wealthy, and wise? How to have a smiling face, smiling, smiling face, right? Gleaming teeth. You can go find that online. We need to face reality. We are called to more than that. You know what's interesting? The word charity. Look, I, I did some study on this word. We don't do charity as well. We don't. And our church is doing amazing things, man. I, we do some good stuff, but we could do more. And we argue too much. We could do a lot if we'd come together. I actually, <laughs> in my study for this week, I came across an article. Do you know how many people, there are literal art, theological arguments of whether or not denominations should ever work together at all, that it's wrong. 
you think, I, I know, you're like, no, it's not. it is, it's true. And these are not just hobos, like random, you know, people that are madmen. These are doctorate, intelligent, theological people, and they're debating, well, you know, I can't believe they, this is just unrealistic. I'm starting to, man, I'm starting to change my view of certain people, certain Christian thought leaders, people I thought were, because they, they don't, because they preach from the Bible, but I started to wonder, man, I don't know if they're living the Bible in that, right? They do the rules really well, but, but the other stuff. So anyway, they're arguing about that. It's wild. Charity. So charity comes from, you know, in the, the King James Version, charity's only really mentioned uh, a lot in the Old Testament in the sense that when it was translated, and in the New Testament, it's there once or twice, the word specifically, as far as if we compared it to our new Bibles, all right? And I'll tell you what I mean. I know I'm all over the place. Stay with me. Charity in the King James Version, agape love, so love is patient, love is kind, all these things, was translated as charity. So God is love. God is charity. Charity is patient. Charity is kind. You get what I mean? Isn't that interesting? So our word charity originally, when it was translated love, hey, we love people, it was charity. And even in the New Testament, it, it's not exact, it, it, it's, it's sort of meant as, um, paraphrasing, love and action. Charity is love and action. Man, we got to do better. And, and it starts with individuals. Every church is made up of individuals, right? Church with a little C, local church. It's infeasible that we're all going to worship in the same building. It ain't going to happen, okay? <clears throat> but... What if we just stopped we just stopped thinking the way we've been programmed to think and started thinking outside the box? What if we stopped saying someone's giving water to people out there, some non-believers, but we're going to figure out a way to give water? What if we started saying, man, what can we tangibly do in this community? Not just once a week, not just once a month, because there's been some times that churches have come together in this community, you know, but they're usually wrapped around an event, what would it be like if they were committed and wrapped around a need? You know what I mean? Even together. I don't know what it looks like. So before you go, Todd, that's not very feasible. That's silly. Right? I hate the word impossible. If you know around here, if you work here or spend time here and you tell me something's impossible, we already have a problem. Because the guys know what I'll say, right? I'll go, you're telling me, that's what it starts with, that this isn't possible, right? AJ's nodding. He knows this, Right? Because I'm stubborn. I will go teach myself coding if I have to, all right? Because I'm going to teach you that this is possible. But that's what we think. What we really mean when we say possible is we mean it's not easy. So I want to talk today about that. I want to talk today about how serious this call is. That we can't just say we love people as we sit on our fancy buildings okay, and enjoy our warmth and our cool and walk out and feel better and drink our coffee. We can't just say it. That is not the definition of a Christian. Jesus doesn't say, hey, they will know you by if you talk about your love. It has to be agape. It has to be love in action. It has to be charity. The, the, that is what we are supposed to do. Jesus did it. Yes, he would tell them the gospel. And I'm not saying that. Anyone knows me, I'm all about that, right? Because the root of almost every issue is that. It's not knowing the truth of who you are, the truth of knowing Jesus, uh, all of these things. But 
We are called to serve people, to feed the poor, to touch the untouchable, to love people, to grieve with people, to give people water. And everyone, my, my biggest fear is we're going to walk out of here like we, every other time, you know, a million churches in the world preach something on this and nothing changes. Nothing. You want revival? Revival's not an emotional response to a worship experience. Revival is life change. It's recommitment. It's opening your eyes and seeing the truth. It's hearing the truth. It's living the truth. And if you're mad in here, and some of you are, who told you to be mad? What am I saying that's not biblical? If you're angry, let me tell you what that's called. It's called conviction. And you're mad at me because I, you think I made the rules. I'm just telling you the truth. And I'm right there, okay? So I can have a mirror right here and I'd be saying the same things. We're going to read into this and we'll talk at the end. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be reading uh, verses 34 to 40. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 40. It's interesting, man. In the same section, there's the parable of the talents, kind of right before this, where Jesus said he's going to give you things. What are you going to do with that talent, right? And the guy buries it because he was afraid. And he goes, you weren't really afraid. It's interesting. What do you do with what he's given you? How do you bring a harvest? How do you bring something from what you're given? Right after that, he tells this story of what's going to happen at the end. All right? And he talks about splitting people up. Sheep, goats, right? All these different analogies. He says, and he, and he gives us here, this is very interesting. He gives us the qualifications, the traits that he uses to split people. Now, I'm asking you to read this like you don't know what it means and take it. Literally, right? For lack of a better word. So listen to this. Here we go. If you got it, say I got it. I bought you time. Got it. All right. Then the king will say, this is from the ESV. Then the king will say to those on his right, these are the ones, right and left. He says, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to this. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. <laughs> I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him. There we go. Those on the right now all of a sudden are the righteous. We know who they are. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? They're confused. Well, I didn't do that to you, Jesus. By the way, they're honest. That tells you there's some righteousness there too, right? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Anyone heard that before? What you do unto them, you did it to me, yeah. Jesus gives us this analogy, and by the way, he then says to those on the left, the opposite, you did not clothe me when I was naked, you did not feed me when I was hungry, you did not give me a drink, you did not visit me in prison, all of these things. And they said, when did that happen? I went to church. I gave my 10%. I yelled at the bad people. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, because what you didn't do for them, you didn't do for me. So the guy in prison, right? Luke, the guy in prison, that's what they're saying. You got a guy, you know, Pastor Luke uh, helps run a ministry in Warsaw where they go into prisons. Hard to find people to go in there, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? I wonder how many churches are there. 
That's to us too. But anyway, when Jesus makes this, uh, this, gives this analogy, you know, some of us, this is the way our minds work. Some of you are making a list and are like, I'm definitely going to give. I'm going to go look for a naked person. Right? I'm going to go give. I'm going to go find somebody. Are you thirsty? Right? You want to do. But remember, he's talking about all of these people. What do they have in common? They're marginalized. You get what I mean? They're weak. They're in need. If someone doesn't have clothes, what does that mean about them? You think they're just streakers? Probably no, right? They don't have the means. Because if they're in here, you think if someone's in here right now, naked, that we're not going to be like, you need a shirt? Of course we are, right? Because they're missing. But they're not. These are people that are outliers, outside the tribe, outside, alone. People forgotten by the culture. And isn't that what happens in prison? Hey, they're getting what they deserve. What did he say here? People that don't have hope. And he says, the way that you treat these people forgotten by society is exactly how you would treat and do treat me. So what does that say if we're not doing anything overall about the state of the church? Capital C and us, little c. And I'm not doubting people's hearts. You know, a lot of times when I talk to people, people want to argue with me about, well, my heart doesn't want to do that. My heart wants to. We'll get to that in a second. Remember I said that, right? Is that you? You're me? Like, well, I want to do that. I just don't know how. Keep that in mind. That's powerful. We're going to keep going. So what, what, is that the only time Jesus talks about this? What do you mean? What does this look like? James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled. Who would like to have, like, man, my, my faith is pure and undefiled. I want the good stuff. Okay, five of you. The rest of you just want sinful garbage, right? I'm going to say it again. Who wants pure and undefiled religion, right? Thank you. <laughs> Some people get so mad. Why are you making me raise my hand? <laughs> Why don't you want to raise it, rebel? Mm-hmm, me too. All right, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. This is so powerful. It's not symbolism. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction, in their hurt, in their pain, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's interesting. He connects them. By the way, once again, does he mean orphans and widows? Absolutely he does. We should be taking care of orphans. I wonder how many orphanages in the U.S., right, are ran by churches versus the government. Anyway, used to be, you know who, did, who ran orphanages? It wasn't the government. Anyway, religion is pure and undefiled before the God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So, yes, orphans and widows. But once again, what are orphans and widows? They're the people in need. You know, he'll go on later in the Bible. It, it defines their definition of widow, right? Paul says, we're not talking about young ones that have their family they're going to marry or, or even widows necessarily. Yes, we want to love them, but like that have children. We're talking about people that have nothing. Do you know there are widows out there that have no family? They have no one to take care of. These are the people so in need. They're marginalized. They're forgotten. Do you, isn't that, hey, grab all those kids without parents and put them in a building called an orphanage. We don't think about them again. They're getting taken care of. So what he's meaning is, yes, he means orphans and widows, but he also means what else? The thirsty, the hungry, the forgotten, the diseased. The populations that no one wants to touch, particularly the good people. Now, some of you in this room, you're real fired up like me, and listen, you're like, yeah, that's easy for me. I love people. It's one thing to say it and another thing to do it. So you say you do. If I came and had a camera on your life, how much of your time has been spent serving these people? Don't lie to yourself. Me too. 
And the truth is, we don't, you're like, well, I don't know how to do it. How much time have you spent thinking about how to do it? I, I, I know I don't enough because it just gets too hard, right? It's too hard to figure it out. Everyone's intentions in the church, I say everyone, most of them are good. That's what religion is. Give me the rule and I'll go do it to feel better about myself. But sometimes what if loving these people didn't make you feel better about yourself? I would imagine, and I've talked to, to Luke, he'll tell you this, not every time you go in there do you walk out encouraged, do you? Huh? Uh, does everyone like you there? <laughs> He's hesitating. I know the answer. No. Right? There's scary dudes in there, right? My point is this. My point is when you go into these places, so a prison, and you're going in to feel better about yourself, you know why Christians will go out and maybe they'll serve food sometimes here in town, but they won't go into prison? Because you're going to feel good about yourself feeding, feeding someone. You go into a prison, they may not make you feel good about yourself in the short term. But that's agape love. God's love, right? The kind of love that says, I'm going to love you when you don't love me. I'm going to love you even if it has nothing there's nothing in it for me. I hope you're hearing this today. And you're not doing the things. Here we go. We got another love, another love sermon. <laughs> That's what you sound like. Anyway, it's not just about love right now. What is living water? He's the living water, right? It's so interesting. He said, I am living water. I'll give you, he tells the Samaritan woman, right? I will give you a spring that wells up into eternity. And then he talks about giving cups of water to people. Go to James. Stay in James, I guess. Chapter 2. And this is the point when I said earlier, you said, look, hey, I want to help those people. And I know you do. you got a good heart, but we've got to stop being just wanting to. Listen to this. He, he tells us the issue here. James tells us, James chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? And everybody's like, well, stay with me. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, listen to this, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, I'm praying for you. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Well, Todd, I thought you said it was only faith alone. This, this is so misunderstood. What James is saying here is you say you have faith, but true faith is going to be shown in what? The fruit which are in your actions. Listen to that. What good is it if you say you're a believer, but you don't ever show that? What good is it to say you love someone, but the best you've ever done is give the guy at, you know, pack a sack a dollar, but you didn't want to give him too much because he might buy drugs, right? How many of you, listen, those of you in this room today, I don't know all of you. I'll say most of the members because I know you fairly well. And you worry all the time about money. Because you got a bill that hasn't been paid. How was Taco Bell this week? When there's people that don't have that. He says, can that kind of faith, the faith that doesn't show itself in action, that's not saving faith because guess what it is then? It's not pure religion. It's just religion. It's just rules. You guys want to understand the gospels, man. Go back when you see what Jesus said to the Pharisees, you got to understand the Pharisees were doing the right things by the people's standards. They were fulfilling the letter of the law. 
but that's it. What it exactly spelled out, they'll do, and any of the gray areas, we're not going to worry about it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he, ha- he or she has faith but does not have, doesn't show it, can that faith save him? That's not a true saving faith. Why? Because faith in Jesus Christ, someone who's put their actual faith in him, are what? They're transformed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Having an apple taped to a tree doesn't make it an apple tree, but apple trees grow apples. You get what I'm saying? It's the same with Christians. Love, love, love. You know, we talked about last week, you know, God goes so far as to say he who, is, he who says he loves God and doesn't love his brother is a liar and the truth is not in him. Let's go on. First John, listen to this one. This, and this is very similar to James here. Well, I want to come back real quick. Because that's so, I'm telling you, you're like, well, I don't do that. Yes, you do. I can tell you, I've seen it. I've done it. It could be one of your brother's sisters in here. Let's say it's not out there. I'm really struggling this week. Can you pray for me? I don't have groceries for the family. We're just trying to figure it out, or we're stretching it out. We don't have much money. How many times in our church, listen, some of you in this room, I love our church, and I do think we have a culture of this, but I'm talking to individuals now. How often do you go, well, somebody will help them. Somebody in the church is going to help them out. Isn't that the same as like, hey, go in peace. I hope you get some food. I'll pray for you. Oh, it drives me mad, dude. I tell a story all the time that youth, youth, whatever that was called, we were part of. I shouldn't say it. I already did. Youth circle, I'll call it that. I was in a circle with a bunch of youth pastors when I worked at this place, and we're talking about, um, we had many run-ins with them. Uh, Andy was there for some of them. We were similar in this. Boy, we used to argue a lot, but we were united in this. And these, we're in this circle, and again, a lot of good, godly people. And, and I'm not seeing their hearts in the right place, but we're sitting around. I'm not, I don't remember how many were there at the time. It got very much smaller after this, like 30. And I was supposed to meet with them. Like, hey, we have kids here that need to be fed. I told them the same story. Then, you know, Jesus, come here. And the lady, who sort of somehow became the leader of this de facto group, looked at me and she said, hey, let's pray about that. Let's pray about whether we should do that. Let's pray about whether we should come here, whether, you know, that's a good use of our, and all I said, remember, I'm young, Right. It was last year. I'm just kidding. I was young, and I was just talking to, I meant it. It kind of blurted out, and I was like, I, I said, why are we praying for something God already told us to do? But we had to pray because we've got our own ministries. That was the word. We've got to take care of our own kids. You think I'm making this stuff up? I wish I was. That's exactly what happened. And I did, they did not like me from there, and I meant it as a genuine question. Anyway, 1 John 3, 6, and 7, that's the same thing, right? Let's pray about it. Hey, we'll pray about whether they help these kids. I hope they find what they're looking for. I hope they get a peanut butter sandwich at lunch. <clears throat> 1 John, by the way, where does that peanut butter sandwich come from? That's the government. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. This is how we have come to know love. He, capital H, who do you think that is? Yes, Jesus. He laid down his life for us. Okay, so how do we know he loved us? He laid his life down for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods, this is so important. This isn't goodwill. This isn't wishing. This is tangible. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what to do. Right here it is. If anyone has this world's goods, money, clothes, car, right, food, uh, whatever it is, toothpaste, if anyone, time, 
If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, and I see what I did here, we're turning back to even the church, in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, this will punch you in the mouth, ready? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. See, that's where the rubber meets the road, folks. Rubber meets the road here in America, Christianized, right? Even though we're the third, we're third as far as those that don't know him. But I love people, man. I go to Bob's first church over there, and we love people. Last year, we sent two pizzas to the local youth place. Now, you guys want to go in uh, our computer lab and work on our social media project? I should punch us, too. Anyway, let us, the, the point is saying you love Jesus, saying you're with Jesus. There's a point, you know, everybody wants to say they're with Jesus until it comes time to touch a leper. Everyone's with Jesus, right, until it's, maybe you want me to change it for you? Until it means um, preaching uh, to that prostitute, giving them money. Like, you, well, that doesn't happen here. <laughs> Y'all silly. They don't advertisement on, like, you, you think they're going to put that on the TV? You think 1-800-PROSTITUTE? That's not how it works. This stuff goes on. My point is whatever... And, and by the way, I need to say this because some of you all, so I've, I've, I've witnessed, we've had men come to this church. There was literally a guy who said, Todd, I go to the strip clubs every weekend and I'm going to be a light there. That's my job. I'm just encouraging to the ladies. And I have to go in while they're working. He told me this. And if anyone remember this conversation, some of you that have been here a long time remember this conversation. And this led to a very interesting debate where we try to get, the, like, dude, oh, so you preach. Well, I don't preach the gospel in word, but in my actions. When I'm there throwing money, right? That, that's not what I'm talking about here. But I am talking about how do you, how would you treat someone that was that asked you for help? Would you, if someone, here's, here's the big thing. Your neighbor is a known prostitute, known stripper. You're a good Christian person. They need help. They need a ride to the grocery store. How many of you would pause to say, man, I don't, what if they see me? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, <laughs> I feel like I have to say this. Clearly, I mean use wisdom, but right? But, but that shouldn't be your first thought. The first thought should be, how can I help? And I'm trying to put this in a way that you'll understand that you have a line. Ladies, you're like, I would help that. I could find so many of you. What about the smelly guy? You know what I found out? Did I talk to you guys about this? Have I talked to you guys about my creepy, like my creepy, handsome meter I've come up with here with you ladies? Some of you, well, what do you mean? I, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to teach you this. Jenny, you're going to love this. This is true. I found this out about you ladies. Two guys. Two different guys. Guy one, Brad. He's making the name up. There's Brad in here. I'm sorry. Guy two, Jose. Making it up, all right? Fine, Dwayne, whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, say Jose. Brad comes up to you. It's a little bonus for you, Kaylee. You'll like this. He leans over. You haven't met him. He said, how's it going, Kaylee? Except, you know, he looks like a, uh, you know, what's that guy's name that used to be on the Goonies? 
the, uh, yeah, sloth. You don't know, okay, he looks like he smells bad, he's ugly, he's wearing dirty clothes, right? His teeth have green in them. You don't even know how that's possible, right? Let me tell you what you're going to do. I'm going to come up to you and go, hey, you, and you're going to go, I'm just, I have concerns about him. He's creepy. Okay? Stay with me. Jose comes up. Jose looks like Ronaldo or Brad Pitt or whoever you consider to be the handsome guy here. Who is it, Jill? Can't say it. Yeah, you don't want to say it. Tim will get mad. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, who's, who's, who's some handsome, famous guy? Don't pretend you have never said it. Who? They blank. There isn't any. Pick your guy. He comes up and goes, hey, Kaylee, how are you? I'm going to go, hey, did you meet Man, something about him. He just seems like a really nice guy. He went out of his way to say hi. I've noticed that people's creepiness is directly opposite to their level of attraction, right? So meaning if you're really good looking, you're not creepy no matter what you do. If you're not, if the man isn't, he's a creep no matter what he does. That has nothing to do with this beyond how do you treat those creepy guys. <laughs> but it's interesting. Little children... <laughs> But I am serious. There's some truth in that, right? How do you respond in those moments? Let us love in, in word or, uh, not love in word or speech, but in action and truth. How do you love people? How do you love people? What does it look like to do, to, to be Jesus? As a, what would it look like for us to come together and create our own spring here first? Well, Todd, I give my offering and that funds the ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're from, if you go to this church or you plan on it someday, you're going to, and you come to me with an idea, I already know people are going to tell you, what am I going to say? Yeah, go do it. And we'll support you. Don't ask me to make it a program. That's, it does, not everything has to be a program. We can just go do it. And I don't have the time nor the giftings to do it as well as you do. But I will help you. I'll be there with you. You want to build a wall? I'm not going to build it all by myself, but I'll be there carrying heavy stuff. That's about all I'm good for. But I will do that. That's just as long as my back's okay. Um, what does it mean? What would it look like? Like, seriously, I'm, I, you know, what could we do in this community? And I don't want, I, I just get to the point, I've gotten, I've done this long enough, people are going to come up, and they have good intentions, man, and they have these really great ideas, but as soon as they find out that I'm not going to be the one leading it, the interest goes away. The need's still there. So, I'm going to give you your list. You love the lists. So how, what is it like? I put loving like Jesus. You could say charity like Jesus. You could say water like spring, whatever. You ready? You're going to love it. Number one, love like Jesus. There is no number two or three. That's it. I tricked you. There's your list. I'm serious. That's your list. Love like Jesus. What does that mean? Well, we can talk about that for a second. First off, if you don't know, haha, tricked you, go read the Gospels. Jesus didn't see a leper and say, that's gross, no one's near that guy, I'm not going to touch him. He touched him and met his need. He didn't see a hungry person and leave them hungry. He didn't see a blind person and lead them blind. He could do that. We may not be able to unless you could. He didn't leave an outcast unseen. He didn't... Uh, it doesn't matter. He didn't leave someone sick if he had the ability to help. He didn't keep them sick. When he was on a mission, and he had important things to do too. But every time, every time someone came to him and asked him for a healing or something like that, every single time he moved into their life, moved. He didn't say, it's okay, go to the temple. 
They will handle it. They will take care of the poor. You remember the law. If he had the ability to meet the need, he met the need. And he expects his people to do the same. That means individually. You need to change the way you think. Stop letting Republican or Democrat determine your philosophy on loving people. You have to love like Jesus. That's what you call it. If you're a Christian, that is what it is. The world is watching us. They're saying Mr. Beast is Jesus. Why? Because the church doesn't look like him. Now, I think the church is the most beautiful thing in the world, and I do. And listen, the church does a lot of beautiful things. And if you erase the church from the world right now, even though we're not doing as well as we could, it'd be a dark place because we're still light and salt. I'm just saying, it's, you want revival? Revival isn't just a refocus on worship or an emotional response. It's a refocus on the things of God that's shown not just on Sundays, but the other six days of the week. How are you going to be different? How many times, you know, I'm going to call us out. Has Luke said, anyone want to go to the prison with me? Really need ladies. We need men. How many of us have gone? One time even. How many of you don't serve in your church and you've been here for years? That's I just said, brother or sister. Well, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. Jacob here, he's not going to like this. He came early on in his faith, and he couldn't be here when everyone else was on this maintenance crew, grounds crew, and I'd look out, and the guy's pulling weeds by himself because he wanted to serve. Why? That's the thing, man. The people that have been in the church the longest should be the ones doing that. It's people who meet Jesus and want to do what he did, and then what happens to us? Over time, we become acclimated to the culture instead of being culture setters and being like Jesus and say, we do what Jesus did. We serve and we love. I'm telling you, you are used to things because that's the way it's been done. That doesn't mean it's the best way. We, the remnant, I am convicted. And we love people and I'm proud of our church, but we, gosh darn it, we need to make a dent in this community. And you're waiting for me to do it. I don't know how to do it by myself. When does this stop becoming talk? When are you going to start calling out other places when they want to talk about stupid things more than loving and serving people? When are you going to talk to your great uncle Johnny or your cousin Bill that's in seminary who's arguing about Calvinism or Arminianism while he walks by the homeless person? Why are you so afraid? Why don't you talk to your in-laws who you know don't love like Jesus? You're not willing to what? To, To tell them the truth? So you let them set the culture for your family or your parents or your wife or your husband. And calling out doesn't always mean yelling at them, by the way. It means telling them the truth, asking questions. Stop being afraid. No wonder we don't go to prisons. We're afraid to talk to my dad. He might get mad at me if I tell him he's not being like Jesus. Man, we've got to be better. Love like Jesus. So he looked for opportunity. He didn't just wait for it. He loved in words and action. He did both. You know, it's not just walking up, chucking a hamburger, someone walking away, right? And you know what else he did? He used those opportunities when they would say, why are you like this? What an easy answer for you. Because someone showed me great kindness when I was lost, right? Jesus did that for me, and you're worth it. Stop. Looking like a good Christian. Stop focus. Stop it. 
Because if you're really doing what Jesus did, you're not going to look like a good Christian a lot of times. You're just not. Because good Christians don't go to the bad parts of town. Good Christians, well, I'm a peacemaker, so I'm not going to call out my dad or my mom or my grandpa or whoever else is saying or not doing these things. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say truth. I'm not just talking about a, a post, by the way, not aimed at anyone. Hey, if you're going to talk about someone and you got, you're like, I'm really brave, why don't you put a name on it? If you're going to say it, say it. Men, some of you men, and you chickens. Well, my wife gets upset if I talk to her mommy or daddy that way, even though they're very hateful and claim the name of Christ, and you know it, but you don't say anything because, well, I might offend them. No, they're going around speaking for your, your king. You're letting other people set the culture of your family because silence is acceptance. I, I'm, I hope I made you mad because if I did, it's you. I'm going to do it next time. No, you won't because you want to please the world. Sometimes the world is that person laying to you next in bed that you don't want to upset. And ladies, it goes the same thing, right? Truth is truth. In love, right? We speak truth in love, but we speak the truth. Do you know how the church got here? Because we were all like, well, I don't want to be the one to set the culture. What if I offend someone? So some other guy who doesn't care goes, I'll do it. Let's hate people. Let's argue over these stupid things. That's the way it should be. Let's judge. Let's not forgive. Let's condemn. <clears throat> you know, some of you come up to me sometimes. I'll just give you me, and it's the same thing. And, I, and you're not, you don't have to believe me. And you'll say, hey, so-and-so in my family, man, I'm really hurt. They were trashing you and saying you're just me. Could be the church, too, but let's say it's me. And they just hate you, and, they, and I know it's not true. And I said, what'd you say? Well, nothing. I wonder how many would raise your hands if, if you were telling the truth, right? That's just about me. It could be someone else. You know why? Because you're a chicken. It's not about me. One of my favorite things to say is when someone comes up to me and says, Newport, I've heard this about you, Todd. Is it true? I said, just assume it's true. Now what? I'm serious. Because not every rumor about me, some are true, some are not. But I don't care. I won't correct them. I learned, I used to. I'm a fighter. I'd want to tell them, here's the truth, and I don't care. Because the real lesson is, what if it is true? Is it possible to repent? Is it possible to change? It is or it isn't. It's all part of the same thing because they're watching us. By the way, I went late, and I need to say this, and then I'll end. <clears throat> so last week, and if this was you, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm proud of you putting this in. Someone put a note in the offering plate that says, please stay on time. That's on the sign. <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. Okay, I, uh, many times I end on time and rush, and everybody's like, why'd you talk so fast? Because people do that, right? And I want to get you out of here, but I'm also going to follow the Bible, and I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit, and we're going to do that, because what you're wanting to do in that moment, if this is you, is you want us to cater to one individual. And what you can do, and I mean this lovingly, right? No one's, gonna be, no one's judging you. Stand up and go home if that's what you need to do, okay? Just wanted to make an aside because that came up, and everybody always makes fun of me because they're like, Todd, nobody actually thinks that. Because I talk, and I'm like, yes, they do. Pro that person probably isn't here. My assumption was that they ain't going to lay a shot like that and stay probably. But, um, and I am, hey, you know what? I'm glad they, they told the truth. If they're not here, I'm like, eh, you were just, but I'm not going to do that. Anyway, she's going to come play music. And guys, as we're sitting here thinking about this tribe, these tri <clears throat> tribes that don't matter, we're going to talk next week about what it means. How do we know 
You know, are you willing to show yourself as a part of the tribe, right? The body of Christ? What if it doesn't go with the majority? Are you still willing? We're going to talk about that next week, and we're going to talk about how that's been an issue from the Old Testament to the New. How people sometimes judge themselves not by God and his standard, but by the standards of people who claim to be his people. And we'd rather fit in than stand out sometimes, right? Because it's scary to be that person. But that's all Jesus was about. And that's why you understand when he looks at you even today and says, you want to follow me? I hope you do. But hear me. And he loves you enough to tell you this. To follow me is to pay a price. There will be a cost to you following me. They hated me and they will hate you. And sometimes the people that hate you are going to have a shirt that says, I'm a Christian on it. So I want to talk today and we see what Jesus said. Jesus himself said it. Come, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. When did we do this, Lord? And he said, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of me, my brothers, did you, you did to me. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that homeless person asking for $20 was Jesus, if it was Jesus in the muck asking you for $20, would you hesitate? Would you stop at 20? I'm serious. If it was Jesus himself, would your response be different? Would the way you looked at that person be different? Would the way you talked to that person be different? If it was Christ himself, if you would, there's a problem. That's what he's saying here. Will you love when it's hard? Will you tangibly love? Will you make it action and not just words? Well, Todd, this is so broad, I know. The cool thing about meeting needs is there's a whole lot of needs, so just pick one. Sometimes the biggest need, the biggest thing you can give someone that we don't give in our modern culture is time. It's sitting down and looking at them, not looking at Facebook, not saying I got to go, not focused on my job, but being in the moment and loving someone. So I'm going to ask you a question. <clears throat> well, before, what else did he say? Listen, to vi- what's pure religion to visit orphans and widows in their need? And I like this, to keep one itself unstained from the world. See, you can go and serve these people. You can go serve the drug dealers and not be a drug addict, right? He's not saying join them in their sin, and that's what that one guy did. No, you are a light. You're salt in that place, right? You're different. But you meet the need. You don't let your desire to be unstained keep you from loving. You're confident that I will stay unstained even while I'm going and loving. You know what I mean? I mean something, yeah? If your brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of them says to you, go in peace, I'm praying for you, without giving the things needed for them, what good is that? If anyone has the world's goods, has something, sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Do you see people around you in need right now as I say it? Has God bringing someone or something to your mind that you walk past every day and you've justified it even though you did have conviction in the moment, I should do something, I should say something? Do you care about killing wolves more than you do loving sheep? Do you see the needs around you? Do you look for them? Or do you wait for him? Where would he go? What would he do if he was here today in Columbia City? Where would he go? 
he would not just be on this building on Sundays. He may not even be here on Sunday. He might be late, right? He had to stop and help someone. He'd probably be here because he, he wants to worship too, but he, would, he, would, he might be late. Because I had to say that, right? Some of you are like, I'm just doing the Lord's work when I'm watching football. Do you see the needs around you? Do you just wait for someone else to do it? Someone will come along. All I have is $10. Someone with 100 will come by. Jesus looked at the old woman who put her last penny, right? After the rich people put their thousands in, and he said, man, that woman is blessed because she gave out of what she didn't have. You always have the needs. Someone always has less than you. Do you wait or do you move into situations? Do you move towards them? Do you love into situations? And remember, that starts here, but I'm gonna ask you a question. Are we gonna continue to let people steer this ship who tell us that there are people who deserve it and there are people that don't? When are we gonna stop talking about being the light and the salt and start doing it, setting culture? Maybe you're not me, right? In the sense of like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a bad quality, it's a decent quality, you know? You're not a confronter. You're not someone that's going to, but you can still speak truth when you hear it. You can't just sit there in silence and say, well, I'm setting culture. You got to show it, speak it, do it. How many times have you argued about whether, you know, someone dunks someone in water or where's the church's money going? Is it going into the worship ministry or going into here, huh? And how much time do you sit and think about how to, Love people. How many times do you think and, and call someone out for their arrogance and their lack of love? You'd call out that alcoholic pastor and say he's terrible, but that hateful, arrogant one, he's okay because he's sober. Man. Do you love in the situations? I don't know. I don't know the answer for you. I, I don't know. And typically, I do my gospel presentation here. Why do you do that every week, Todd? I don't know. Maybe one person here hasn't heard it. I know it annoys you. Sometimes it annoys me. Isn't that terrible? Because I can just tell 90% of you are like, okay, it's already late. I want to go. Someone's going to drop a note saying it get done on time, so I'm going to keep talking like this over and over and over again. <sighs> the beauty of, of, of we are called to love like Jesus is a direct reflection of how Jesus loves us. Jesus sacrificed for us. He sacrificed for you. If you're in this room and you don't know him, you're in trouble. You're hungry and don't know it. You're dying and you don't know it. We've sinned. We've been disobedient to God, and because of that, we've been separated from God. We are not holy. He is, so we can't be in relationship with him. You can't take a snowball and a mud ball and put them together, and the snowball stays white. So God has to be separate from us because he is pure and holy. And we did that, and we're dying. And thousands of years of human existence shows us what that's like. We're a mess. Turn the TV on, you'll see. And we can try to program our way out of it. Okay, and we can try to vote the right person in, but none of it's going to fix it because why? We don't have the right person on the throne. We don't have the only person that can fix it. We're not, we're fighting their rule. So sin entered the our world, you have sinned. If you did it one time, that's too much. You're, a, you're not a good person by God. If you're, you might be better than me, that's awesome in this world, but you're not better than Jesus. You're not perfect and you're supposed to be. I know. I know you're not good enough to get there not good enough to go back to God so when we couldn't the Bible says we're storing up wrath for ourselves sin leads to death we have sinned so we're going to die that's that's reality 
Life is this long. Eternity is a long time. What happened? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, invaded this earth. He taught us how to live, showed us what the kingdom is like, how it was before we went away from him. And then he did something incredible. He gave us a way to be reconnected to God, to the Father, to come back to life. So he died on a cross, a terrible physical death. He had the wrath. He took the wrath meant for me on himself. And he died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Over 500 people attest to this. Saw the risen Christ. He is who he said he was. And if you're willing to come to him and repent, turn away from your ways into his, that's what it means. The real first words of his ministry is repent. For the kingdom of God is near. He's here. Turn away from your ways. Turn back to God. Tell him, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to fix it, but I will. Help me. I need what you give. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, if you turn from your ways to him, he will do the rest. And if you do that today, if you make that prayer, if you talk to him, an incredible thing will happen. He'll take your sin. He'll nail it to the cross. Time doesn't exist to him. He'll take your wrath that was, and, and have it, <clears throat> it will be what was poured on him. And in return, he'll give you the benefits of his perfect life. You will live forever. You'll be transformed. You'll be new. You'll have a whole fix that you've never been able to fix. Some of you in this room have been members of this church and you don't know Jesus. I know this because we did a poll a while ago and some of you said you did not believe in Jesus Christ and yet you're here. You can fool everyone here, but there will come a time when the games are over, when the hiding's done, and you will come face to face with the king and he is not a lamb anymore. Take today and respond. Kids, if you're old enough to hear this, then you're old enough to understand. And it doesn't matter whether mommy and daddy are Christians and it doesn't matter if it doesn't feel true. You need to turn away from your sin and you need to turn to God. Do that today. And if you're in this room and you know you haven't been loving the way he is, repent of that. Turn away from it. Make revival real. Let it show in every part of your life. Um, we're going to have people up here ready to pray for you. Don't worry about the time. If you've got to leave, leave. But be here, be present. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in. Because if you do, you're choosing to.